Hello and welcome to another episode of Happy Maybe. How are you, Asili? I am great, Nikita. A little bit exhausted from driving all day, but ready to talk to you. How's it going? Very nice. I'm good. I was thinking the other day how in one of the earlier episodes we talked about therapy. And I remember this situation that I have with a friend who is quite much older than me and he's from a different generation. And he believes that therapy and like psychotherapy is essentially when you pay somebody to listen to your bullshit. He believes that there is that's all there is to it. And he kind of believes that the best people who can do it are those who don't really care. Because he said, if you care about the bullshit that your patients are telling you, you're going to go insane. That's not a sustainable way of living. Um, and I remember how he had a friend who had some drama in his life. And the friend was talking, like, they would talk a lot. And he said, I was really tired of listening to him and I wish he just paid for therapy because someone else would listen to him, quote unquote, professionally. I know that you recently tried therapy for the first time. And I want to begin with, did you have any uh, misconceptions or stereotypes about therapy by listening to other people or reading the books or seeing it in, in the movies um, that are no longer true? Like, what were your expectations? My expectations were based on American movies and TV series where there's a classic setup, there's a good-looking office with comfortable chairs, and the therapist is across from his or her patient. And it's, for example, The Sopranos. It's one of the famous TV series that featured Tony Soprano visiting his therapist pretty much in every episode where he tried to be honest but not to a fault so he wouldn't reveal his criminal intentions or criminal deeds uh, but he still needed therapy because he felt like he was stuck and lost even though he was a mafia boss so that was like the, the biggest image in my head uh, then I watched uh, a more recent TV series called uh, Shrinking and it's a comedic a TV series based around uh, cognitive behavior psychology approach. Uh, very nice, by the way. I highly recommend it as entertainment. Uh, but my biggest question was when I decided to get into therapy, and you didn't ask me why I decided, so maybe you'll ask me later, uh, was how to find a therapist. And this was a bit of a, a journey on its own. You have a good point. Why? But we get to why. Um, this reminds me also, my father recently told me that he was watching this um, TV show where the therapist is known for like a TV show about the therapy. And the main character is a therapist whose job is to um, engage with his patients in a way that makes them aggravated or super angry or super upset or otherwise triggers the shit out of them. And then the super angry, aggravated patients are acting out all of their inner trauma and then that's that's how he heals them supposedly and my father was like yeah now i understand how therapy works let me tell you something that was pretty funny uh, that's a good point you know like all different people go to therapy for different reasons i went to do therapy for the first time maybe about five years ago back in new york and i kind of did it as one of the things i was doing trying to figure out what's what's wrong like why am I feeling in a certain way? Like, what can I do about it? I didn't, I, I had some expectations. I had the expectations that it's going to just help me immediately somehow. Um, or I had the expectation that they will pretty much 
tell me what to do. Like I really wanted someone to tell me what to do. Like you come in and you say, my iPhone is broken. And they say, sure, replace the screen and push these buttons and your iPhone is going to be fine. And I was kind of angry when my, my first therapist didn't do it for me. Um, so what was your motivation? My motivation was having someone who is trained in helping people talk to me and listen to me and help me steer me towards towards the place where I can accept myself and hopefully improve myself. I felt like I've tried a lot of things in life and I'm very open to self-development and self-improvement. And I haven't tried therapy. I hadn't tried therapy until that moment when it hit me that I actually know people personally, like yourself, who've done therapy, who've been in contact in sessions with more than one therapist. So I started talking to, I think, you and one other friend because I have an analytical sort of approach to things. So I need to know what the rules of the game are and how participants uh, sort of positioned in that game, uh, like a student teacher and should I ex- what should I expect? How can I find one? So, yeah, so basically, yeah, so I, I was like, I was at a standstill in terms of accepting myself and I wanted to get out of the cycle of self-beating for not doing things that I thought were like more normal uh, and like I couldn't deal with my uh, deviation from from the, from the expectations of society or whatever the inner voice is even though on the surface everything was fine you know and I was like no no I'm a, I'm beyond that I can be a psychiatrist myself I'm so I'm so good no uh, I needed someone and the next step was like how do I find one so I started asking around for recommendations well in the small circle in this friend of mine that other friend he said one of my best friends is a psychiatrist he can recommend someone and my goal was and I think everyone should set it up like that like it shouldn't be anyone who knows your friend or family member personally so there's no conflict of interest unless it's couples therapy or something or family therapy but like i would be so much more comfortable connecting with someone who is removed from from my social network entirely right so so there's no like prior history or conflict of interest or anything like this and uh yeah. conflict of interest is a big one actually i remember i had a I was seeing someone, um, I was seeing a therapist and at some point I was also dating a girl and we stopped dating and somehow at some point I recommended the same person to him. And at some point we had a conflict of interest because she was not completely over me. Um, I would sometimes remember her and say something and then the poor therapist would have to like, would have to navigate the, what did she say about me that I say about her and making sure that he doesn't reveal Uh, our secrets to each other. So he actually had to sort of break up with me. He had to say, look, we, uh, I don't think it's working, which was also true. It wasn't working for the two of us, but also we did have a conflict of interest. So 100%, it really does help to have someone who is uh, removed from your social circles. That's a good one. Did you have any fear of judgment? Because there's plenty of those, especially from the older generation, there's plenty of those who would say, are you crazy? Like, why are you doing therapy? Like, why are you, are you not okay? And there's also an entire group of people who would say, yeah, you just need to take pills. Like, take pills, you'll feel better. Why do you need all of this stuff? It doesn't quite work. 
Because scientifically, you just need neurotransmitters in your brain, and if you don't have the right neurotransmitters, you just need to have them. And if you, you know, and that's all. That's all you really need. That's all there is to it. To be happy, just take pills. Mm. Thankfully, I've never come close to anyone seriously recommending pills to me. Uh, I know it's possible, but uh, I, I don't have a detectable level of depression. So offering pills is not, hopefully, like it's not an option uh, and not a remedy that I need. Uh, so I wasn't worried about that. Judgment, actually, I was more worried about judgment from the therapist. <laughs> herself than from anybody else I, from the therapist yeah uh, because I, I didn't know like what the limits are and, and and what to expect or if there are any limits to well okay uh actually and it was not unfounded because i i'll, I'll since we don't have usually we don't spend a lot of time on on our uh, podcasts uh, talking about things in such depth I'll, I'll paint a quick picture i got one uh therapist a woman so my my th- Thinking was, I want like a, a fairly young woman so I can have this kind of a softer style of conversation. And um, I just felt like talking to a woman would be would be more uh, like up my alley and younger. Uh, so they would be like on, you know, like of the vibe of the times of, of what's happening today. Yeah. So, yeah. So basically... The short of it is that I worked with one and after eight or nine sessions, I decided that I wanted to move on and get another one. And the reason was that I didn't connect with the first one as much as I thought. And I felt like a tiny, tiny shadow of judgment uh, in one of the sessions. And it kind of broke my trust in her because I was revealing things that are were quite personal that were bothering me. And so I had to, and at the same time, I was reading based on your recommendation the internal family systems uh, book that explained the entire approach. And I thought, I love it so much. I don't really care so much for this gestalt approach where I needed to connect with my feelings through physical sensation, which sounds nice, you know, and probably useful. But for me, it's it's like pouring water from one cup into another. And so I found someone through the official IFS directory on the website, internal family systems once again. And I thought... Uh, that that would be great because that's definitely separated from from any sort of circle. It's not a recommendation even, but it's somebody who's approved on this uh, respectable website. Uh, and that was a great idea because I'm I'm happy with the current um, therapist. And you can explain maybe briefly why IFS can grab someone so much as a, as an approach. You might be a better person to explain it at this point because I only read the book. You're actually doing the thing. You're bringing up two interesting points. One is that the feeling of trust with the, with the therapist is is quite important. I remember reading somewhere, and I don't think I can find reference to it, but it sounds reasonable. Um, research that says that the results of the therapy are often the method itself is even less relevant or less um, likely to impact the results of the sessions compared to the relationship between the two people. Um, so actually feeling comfortable trusting the the therapist you're working with uh, uh, evidently is more important than the method of therapy itself. And I think that actually makes a lot of sense because, for example, the therapist that I'm working with right now, I'm she's not bad, you know, she's okay. It's just that I don't feel like it's working and I may have to stop seeing her um, because I'm not 
there's a certain feeling of the certain feeling that I'm not not getting. And the second half is when people talk about therapy, they usually mean like therapy as one thing, but therapy is many things. There's psychotherapy, which is a traditional um, therapy popularized by Arleone and such. They're going to talk about your dreams and your childhood and your subconscious and stuff. There's other all kinds of different styles of therapy. Um, and the ones that we are used to seeing on TV are is, is, is the psychoanalysis, the one where you see a, a patient on the couch facing like laying on a couch and the therapist sitting next to them. This isn't the only way therapy goes. And there's a lot of different approaches, like a lot. There are dozens, probably dozens of styles of therapy. Um, and it, you bringing up a good point that it is important that this particular style of therapy mm. works for you. Yeah, I wouldn't know otherwise. How How... How did you decide? Um, I remember that you were, it, it was a difficult decision for you to change the therapist. What did it feel like when you made that decision? Yeah, this is probably one of the most interesting things uh, that uncovered my inner worries and concerns. I think it, it told me and her something about me that my sort of dedication to the process was getting broken based on my desire, you know, like, and, and I couldn't understand, like, should I stay with her and stick with it to exercise continuity and dedication and to kind of break the pattern of quitting something that probably negatively affected me in the past where I, I qu quit something prematurely? Or is it more true and honest and, and authentic to myself to wrap it up with her and go to somebody else or not go to anybody else because I felt like it was genuinely not useful for me and I wasn't getting much sort of progress out of that. So it was like really hard to differentiate between the thing. Is it, am I quitting prematurely or uh, am I doing the right thing because I trust my intuition or my, my judgment? What helped to break, like break this problem? Uh, not sure how substantial that reason is, but my infatuation with this internal family systems method, because the first one, the first therapist had no idea about it. I told her about this. I educated her about that. And, and I was like, okay, if you don't know about this and I really, really like that system and I, because I didn't help our cause by reading this book during the session, during the therapy weeks. And <laughs> Yeah, so it was it, it. That's what sealed the deal. And I was like, okay, I'm I'm I want to try something else because this gestalt uh, free form situation is just too loose for me. Like I'm a bit more of a systems person. The IFS is wonderful. When I read or heard about it for the first time, it made so much sense. Um, I've been trying to get into their um, facilitator training or the therapy training. So the training, the, the sessions where they train people to be therapists in IFS. And there is such a huge demand that every time a single training is published, it is immediately filled up within days. So they don't have enough trainings and they don't have enough people who train other people. So the premise of IFS is very interesting. We are used to thinking about ourselves as a single person with ideas and decisions and single mind and like single aspirations. But the truth is, if you ever um, track your behavior and your ideations over time, you might notice that at one time you want one thing, at another time you want a completely different thing. 
Sometimes you have multiple different things going on at the same time. And it might even feel like you are not a single person, but a mo- multiple different individuals with different aspirations and different ideas. So IFS is called internal family system because it essentially says that within you, at least that's the way I interpret this, within you there are models of all the people in your life and all these models within you are different versions of you, they call them parts, different parts of you, and they all have different ideas about what they want. Um, they are, they usually come from, they usually came from different um, t- periods in, in your life. So some parts can be younger, some parts can be older. They all serve different functions. Um, and the way of IFS, and one foundational principle of IFS is that there is a single self, like capital S self, which is what you are. How is it working for you so far? Do you feel crazy having voices yeah, in your head? Uh, w- w- mm. What I can add to this is that the the parts that live inside of your head are like family members. That's why it's family systems. And they usually stay the same age as when they appeared. And they basically, they, it's like a, a clone of how you felt at that moment and that it stays with you. They're all workers. They have functions. And some, some parts also can... Um, move in without being part of you. They, they're called unattached, I think, or something like that. Um, they can be completely alien, like, uh, but that's more advanced. Uh, and you can basically during therapy, call them, bring them out like spirits, you know, <laughs> and a therapist can explain to the part that they're a little bit overzealous doing their job and that they can, you know, take some rest and maybe not be as hardworking because they can be overly protective or overly risk mitigating or risk producing uh, risky behavior. Right? Uh, so yeah, so it's in the, it's in the Western psychology it, uh, and just in general in culture around the world, uh, being multifaceted is pathologized. It's like being crazy. Like, okay, you have multiple personalities in you, voices in your head, well, you must be crazy, so you need some pills. But IFS really is very humane in it and allows you as a patient to accept that there are multiple players inside of you and it's not always your fault, like you're as self. Like the, the self is is like an angel, you know, it's, it's your core. It, it's untainted, it's perfect, you know, it's like exactly how you were born and how you're going to die. And like that, that's the self. It's It's like a it's you, but all these other players in, in these parts, they sometimes overshadow the self and create a lot of conflicts in your head. That's and it's for me, it's great. Like, I, I love that concept, and I started digging and I found parts, and probably there's more than than I found, and it's already helping me. You know, to like I know which one is talking now, like I know which one is taking control, but the work has just begun, so I have more more to do, more work to is do. Is there any noticeable difference working with the new therapist compared to the previous therapist outside of just a different method? Like in terms of the relationship between what, what I like to say is that the subject of, I believe that the subject of therapy is not always you or they, the subject of therapy is often the relationship between the two of you. And it's usually everything that is happening within the session is part of, uh, part of therapy. Uh, so, for example, if being afraid to break up with a with a current therapist is part of therapy because, well, why would you be? You know, let's dig into this. So, I'm curious how you feel uh, relationally to the current person compared to the previous person, and what's different. Uh, I, 
I have a lot more trust and comfort with the new therapist. Everything is subjective and, you know, it's really hard to compare people like that. But I mean, I like her because of the methods that she's using. And, and because, again, through IFS, I feel a lot less judged and a lot less, a lot less protective because, you know, one of the famous books by Dr. Schwartz is called No Bad Parts. And in that title, there is a lack of judgment already. Like none of you, each one of your parts plays a role and tries to do something good for you to protect you or to improve, to, to please you, to keep you healthy, to keep you interesting and motivated, whatever. And with the first therapist, I didn't feel like, didn't feel like, uh, I felt like there was a lot of room to, to be judged and to be sort of, to, to create an impression without wanting that is so vulnerable that to the point of discomfort uh, and and if I trust somebody so much with my like single personality like this, there's no wiggle room. You know, it's like okay, if I'm judged, that's it. You know, uh, th- th- I'm the uh, that's the kind of person I am. Like she's not my friend. She has her own life experiences. She's also human. You know, maybe I remind her of somebody else that she didn't like or whatever. You know, no, it was nice and, and, and peaceful. You know, and she, she's a good person. But I, I just felt like uh, that uh, emphasis on connecting with my emotions and feeling how my body felt when I felt certain emotions was just not working for me. <laughs> and and with the second therapist, it was it was like okay, I know she knows that I have different parts. So whatever, even if I feel any judgment from her. It's not of me, it's of that part. And that's very liberating. It also helped her, it helps to remember that the therapist herself has her own parts. And as she's interacting with you, she's actually interacting through her different parts with your different parts. And that makes a lot of sense. And to be clear, when we say that like it didn't work with, say, the first therapist, it isn't to say that she was a bad person. It is just to say that it is either there is chemistry or there isn't chemistry and some methods work for some people. I'm in fact, I recently published a, uh, the blog post that I titled, um, we all just want to be understood. And the main message in it was that a lot of times when we talk about ourselves, when I talk about myself, I hear people trying to give me advice, trying to help me, trying to sort of, yeah, essentially trying to help me like, yeah, have you tried, have you tried this? Have you tried that? Um, and often all I want, honestly, in most of my interactions and in life generally these days at least, all I really want is I want to be understood just the way I am. And that's the reason why I have my blog. And that's the reason to me at least why I we have this podcast. I try to be honest and I try to be open and I try to be real. And it is a way for me to be. Any last words? To be understood. No, I think it's a very interesting subject. We probably will return to it and talk about more aspects of therapy and how it helps us to unburden ourselves in this never-ending quest of becoming happy or happier. So thank you for asking your questions. And um, it was a pleasure to share my insights. And thanks for sharing your insights. Thank you, Vasily. Till next time. Till the next one. Mm-hmm.